All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest today, John Millen. Now, John is a benefit hacker. Over the last 20 years in the employee benefits industry, he became annoyed and upset that there were not better ideas to contain healthcare costs and improve benefits for employees. Having been a victim of a high deductible medical plan himself, he decided to radically change the way healthcare plans are presented to employers. John is the co-founder of the Millen Group, an independent benefit advisory firm located in Richmond, Virginia. And over the past two decades, manufacturing has been the number one industry that they've been able to improve. So John, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you into employee benefits and particularly your focus on manufacturing. My training from college was as an engineer, mechanical engineer. And in that field, you're solving lots of problems. Yes, it's about math and physics and all that stuff, but you're solving problems. And several years ago, I remember going through the process of open enrollment for myself picking a medical plan, which happened to be a very high deductible medical plan, thinking that's all I needed, didn't have any advice, just picked it because it was the cheapest and ended up learning the hard way that I picked the wrong plan in that process. And then over that period of time, after that, you have a sting of like, oh my gosh, why didn't anyone tell me that it worked this way? Over time, since we have been providing different types of benefits for almost 20 years now, to small companies and big companies, I started seeing from the front of the room what was being communicated to employees. And I, I kind of got irritated and I got mad. I'm like, why are they not saying this? Why are they not saying this? It started from that. I wanted to fix the problem. I was tired of seeing other people get burned by different things. And there were some mistruths, not intentional. People aren't bad people, but they just didn't know what they didn't know. And so after several years of that, seeing companies do things a certain way, we wanted to hack it in a good way. Benefit Hacker, it was very catchy. It gets people's attention. But it's like, hey, there are things you can do that you've been told may not be the right thing, especially over time. And so it was really that desire to to, and it sounds so corny, right? We help people. I love helping people. Everyone says that. Right, like, right. Who wants to sell insurance? Like I didn't go to college <laughs> to sell insurance. I don't love selling insurance. I love solving problems and insurance is a mechanism. It's a risk mechanism that you, it's always changing. So that's kind of what led me to this industry. Right. And it's something that with benefits, it's always on our mind. I know for me, with my husband being furloughed last year for 10 months, you know, that was the one question that kept popping up is, holy cow, what are we going to do if he gets laid off and we don't have a benefits and going to the market or using Cobra or whatever. So <laughs> from my yes. own personal experience, thank goodness our Christmas present was that Scott got called back to work in December. Oh, and now we don't have to worry about that anymore. 
But when companies are thinking about employees and think that, okay, well, employees, they're an asset versus a liability. But from our conversation before, we were talking about that they look at their employees as assets, but they don't generally treat the employee benefit spend that way. So what are you seeing as far as the investment versus expense? Fascinating. So it's a little um, a little thing I do when I get on an early call with a president or the CFO of a manufacturing facility. I'll just ask a simple opening question like, do you view your employees as an asset or a liability? And they kind of chuckle. They go, oh, I have a few liabilities, but they're mostly assets. I'm like, okay, we agree with that. I said, so then the money you're spending, the three quarters of a million dollars on your benefits for the year that you're spending, do you view that as an, an expense or an investment? And it trips them up, and it's it's because they want to say expense because it's an expense. It comes off the top line, but you invest in assets, right? It, so you're it's really an investment. And the reason I talk about that is because so many people get focused on the wrong thing. If you're spending three-quarters of a million dollars every year, what is the value you're getting from that? And sometimes the value is not very good. A a client we worked with last year, the money they were spending was not, you're like, we're not maximizing the dollars spent. And so that pivots the conversation a little bit from insurance, like who cares what the deductible is yet, to let's maximize the spend because it's a big dollar amount. Well, and not only getting the benefits for the employers themselves, but just as a recruiting tool to get people on board, because when you have employees that are looking at you, that's one of the main things that the newer generations coming into the workplace right now are concerned about because they see how health costs can just destroy their family's finances. So just looking at they're making the investment anyway, making sure it's a good plan, but from your standpoint, also making sure that they're maximizing what that spend is. Absolutely. And you you said something just there. Um, people now are more aware because of COVID probably, right? Oh, yeah. They're more You're aware not of their health care. Um, they're more aware of like how much do I have to pay out of pocket? And you talked about retention. One, here's, a, here's a great tip that everyone can use right away, no matter what industry. But this is something we integrated with our manufacturing clients is tell the applicant up front about your benefits. Don't wait until a new higher orientation. And I think it's a strange reaction I get. Some people at least are like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, is that because you have really crappy benefits? Like if you have really <laughs> good benefits, you should tell them. If you have pretty crappy benefits, yeah, you may not want to tell them. So we started doing that where you take your benefit book, right, that you create. And maybe it's just the first two pages of summary. And you show them these are all the different benefits we provide. You don't have to show them the cost if you don't want to, but that is a recruiting tool because I guarantee you they're thinking about it. In their head, they're thinking, what are the benefits like? What are the benefits like? And 99% of employees will not have the courage to ask usually. And so HR professionals, recruiters are surprised. They want to see the benefits. What do we give them? What do we give them? That should be a part of that, that applicant process if you have a good benefits package. Well, and especially when it comes down to their looking at a couple different employers to join, they have one employer who has been transparent and has shown them the benefits and they're pretty good benefits. They're like, wow, this is really cool versus nobody else sharing that information. So it sounds like it's certainly giving them an edge yep. uh, 
just the fact that they're providing that information and kind of setting in that employee's mind that, hey, this might be a pretty cool place to work. Here's another thing that that I would highly suggest. How many times do you go to a website for a company and you find out careers and it says benefits and it says health insurance, dental vision, whoop-de-doo. Mm-hmm. Like just having health insurance today is not good enough. You have to have a good health insurance plan. And this is where the conversation pivots a little bit to towards you're spending half a million dollars or a quarter of a million dollars or a million dollars or whatever it is. Are we maximizing that? Because your health plan needs some tweaking, needs some updating. And so not only telling them, showing them the benefits, but don't just say we have health care because some people find out that means a $6,000 high deductible plan with no other coverage. Wow. And so that can be an issue. So what do you think are the benefits that have the highest impact towards employee attraction and retention? Definitely health insurance, right? Medical insurance. It's the number one. It's the thing that can devastate a family more than anything. So so definitely your health insurance package. But I would say to look at that as not just health, health insurance, it's your health care benefits. And what I mean by that is health insurance is Blue Cross Blue Shield, $3,000 high deductible plan. That's the health insurance. Right. But the health care benefits might be things you layer in on top of that bundled in there to make the plan a lot more robust. So definitely health insurance, but think of it not just health insurance, but health care benefits. So what are some examples? What's been really popular recently is telemedicine. We saw it kind of spring up last year. Hey, I can talk to a doctor on the phone or video I'm at home. Why? Because you couldn't go to the doctor. Telemedicine has been around for a decade. This is not new, but it took that moment for the industry to get shaken. But we've been talking about it for six years. So we bundle, we actually add cost or investment a couple bucks a month for people into the medical plan, even though they may have it because it, it enhances the benefit and it makes it so much better. There's other benefits you can add in there, whether it's first dollar coverage or different types of supplemental plans that can take the the perceived value or the actual value of the plan from here to here. So not just health insurance, it's healthcare benefits, that whole little package. I would say that's yeah. number one. You know, number two, and this is going to surprise a bunch of it. If I said to you, what are the three top benefits that you would ask for at an employer? What would you say? What are the top three you would say? Um, health, uh, well, health benefits, vision and dental, I health. guess would be the top three. Yep. And they're the three most popular. But I would say you probably need to insert in there disability insurance. Oh, yeah. Well, I have mine. Believe me, oh. I have a friend of mine who had a tree fall on her when she was uh, riding in the metro parks. And thank goodness she had disability insurance. So every time I think about canceling my policy because I don't want to pay the benefits and pay the premium, I think about what she went through and what saved her because she had disability. So, yeah, I am all over that. And I've had my policy probably for a decade. Yeah, no one ever went bankrupt from a dental bill. No one ever went bankrupt because they couldn't get glasses. And so it's one of those just little nuances. Yes, you're going to have dental. Yes, you're going to have vision. But sometimes what I tell employers, look, if you don't have employer paid short or long-term disability or both, maybe consider making your dental and vision partially voluntary or 100% voluntary and give them a 5,000 monthly benefit 
because it's something that is it's not discussed. It's not sexy. You know, right. it's something that's really important. When I see that Romina popped in and said that she's been using her telemedica, telemedicine for years um, for her parents. I mean, really, I think that that was one of the things that COVID just brought in is I would have never thought that I could visit my doctor by phone. But the fact that you can't, it's like that's just one of the many technologies yep. that this pandemic has forced us into to doing and making it normal and normalizing it because yeah i just i just get my doctor on the phone and show him what's going on and yeah it works so that's it's right. really been interesting that's right romina you're right a lot of a lot of the medical plans have it um we don't always bundle an external we do it when the so here's an analogy on most medical plans you have vision coverage is it very good vision coverage eh, you get an annual exam as part of your medical plan does it pay for glasses? No. Does it pay for um, polycarbonate lenses? No. So yeah, there's vision in it. What I'm seeing though is some of the telemedicine plans, not all the time, need to be enhanced a little bit. And so that's when we we say, let's make it no cost. There's no fee ever. You can add your whole family. So these are just little things, little tweaks. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but little tweaks. Right. Oh, and this is kind of funny. So uh, Romina shares another thing that she has a friend of hers who's a doctor and actually can do that while on vacation. Yep. So again, we're we're looking up, not that we want to be working 24-7 for goodness sake, because we right. do need to take advantage of those vacations, but it gives us so much more flexibility than what we used to have when it comes to our benefits. So what are some of the things that you're um, seeing that maybe employees uh, employers are missing when it comes to their benefits, some of the mistakes that the, the biggest mistakes that they're making. One of the things I've seen as a little bit of a trend, and it's going to sound a little um, not controversial. What's the um, it, it's not mainstream is for the past 15 years, 17 years. There's been this movement towards consumer-driven healthcare, meaning, hey, you spend three weeks researching that big screen TV at Best Buy, but yet you only spend five minutes when you need your knee replaced. You just go where they say. There's a lot of truth in that that we're not aware of the cost of healthcare because healthcare is not the same as health insurance. So that is a big issue that's trying to be fixed. But I would say over the past 15 years, there are some cases when 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 employees will not be a consumer of healthcare, they will go where their doctor says, period. Mm -hmm. And I've heard for so long, now this is not all the time, but I've heard so long and they say from the front of the room, you know, next time you need a hip replacement, just go online. You can look at the cost, you can look at this. And I'm thinking, I have a $5,000 out-of-pocket max. That's all I'm going to pay. I don't care if it costs 100000 or 600000 If my doctor says this is where we're getting it done, I'm going to go there. So there's some cases where consumerism is not working. Some places mm -hmm. it is, prescription drugs, outpatient testing, things like that. It's working. So here's what I would say is um, look at your employee benefit options. So you, some companies have one option. Some have two, some have three, some have five and six, which I think is crazy ridiculous. Yeah. Look at those plans and ask yourself, does it have prescription coverage? Because we're finding that prescription drugs is a third of the claims 
And you can't get away from it on TV. You see all these fancy ads, but prescription drug costs are going up really fast. So if all you have are high deductible plans, meaning no prescription coverage until you hit your deductible, it's painful. Mm. It, and that's what's happening with rationing of insulin. People are actually cutting back their insulin because it's so expensive and it's causing people to, to die from it. So this wow. is a very simple little thing you can add. Now, does it, does it add more cost? Yes, but it's an investment. And I'll give you a quick story. I'm talking last year. I got a call from one of my manufacturing clients and they had a new hire employee from a different state that was going to work for them. And he had a bunch of benefit questions. So the HR manager called me. She said, would you mind talking to him? He's not an employee yet. He's looking. And I said, sure. I called him and he told me, he said, I, my prescription cost is $2,000 a month. Do they have any kind of plans that will help pay for my, this prescription I'm taking? I looked up the prescription. I looked at the plan we had redesigned by, we had added back in prescription coverage. And I said, I said, Greg, it's going to be 40 bucks a month for copay. $40 a month versus $2,000 a month he was spending. Wow. That caused him to move from North Carolina, and among other things, not just benefits. But that's a retention tool, and that's a big thing that's missing is having good prescription coverage. Wow. So when you're looking at the fact that they're doing, you know, spending three-quarters of a million dollars on health insurance for their employees every year, what is the best way to get uh, to maximize that spend? So the first thing I would say is know what your five-year cost and what your five-year projection is. What is it going to cost you over the next five years? I ask this question a lot. How much are you going to spend on your health care or benefits package over the next five years? And I get blank stares. Um, I don't know. Not only what are you going to spend, but it's compounding because most of the time it's going up 8 to 12% a year. So it's it's not just one plus one equals two. You're adding more on top of that. We show we show a, a potential client, this is what you're going to spend. They see $7 million. I say, all right, now it's perspective. You can no longer assume that 8% renewals are good. I hear this a lot in our industry. I talked to a client. We just talked to our broker, and they said we got a 5% renewal, and that's good, and we should just move on. I don't think that's good because it's been 5% and 12% and 22%. It's going like this. So mm. I think you've got to look at the, the five out into the future and say, how do we bend this curve down? I don't see a lot of that happening. I see a lot of reactionary things. Last minute, here's your renewal. Lisa, we just got your renewal back. It was 12% increase. I got them down to eight. I think it's the best thing you should take. It. Mm. Not what does that look like five years from now? And can we try some new things? Right. So as we're getting to the end of our time together, what's your number one tip that you would give to people listening today as far as what they're doing with their benefits to make them better and to use it as an attraction and retention tool? There's lots of things. What I would say from personal experience working with tens of thousands of employees over 20 years is make sure that investment that you've created, that package, that your all of your under all of your employees understand it, are educated about it, and know how to use it. The biggest thing I see, especially manufacturing, right, John? We're running presses, we're running machinery, we're running porcelain tile. We can't stop. We're run. You need to give the employees time at some way 
to carve out 30 minutes or 60 minutes one time a year and explain to them what they are, how they work, and what's right for them. This is the way I tell employers. You're spending $7,000 a year on average per employee on their benefits. If they get paid $50,000 a year, it's about $30 an hour. You're going to trade a $30 an hour investment uh, cost for a $7,000 investment. So when you put it in perspective, you're protecting this seven thousand, right. and that I think is the is the hardest thing to do. And I'm not talking about just doing a recorded webinar and hope they watch it at home. That's not right. It's getting the commitment to okay. At the end of the line, we're sending ten people into this room. Now COVID has changed a little bit, but it's going to come back. And I would say that is the biggest tip. Wonderful. Well, John, what is the way that you work with your clients? And if somebody has questions or wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I like to pride myself as like a low pressure. We're not here to sell people. So I think the first step is someone to just to have a a conversation with us. This stuff is complicated. It's not like send me the rates. It's a conversation. And usually a 15 to 20 minute conversation does two things. It allows me to ask them some questions to see if we can help them. We can't help everybody. So can we even help you? And is it a good fit both ways? Because it's, an, it's a partnership and it's not just a transaction. So usually it's a quick phone call. I would say um, you could also visit our website at millengroup.com. It's M-I-L-L-E-N group.com. Lots of great resources. We also have a podcast called Benefit Hackers. That you can search for in a YouTube channel called Benefit Hackers. And there's no, it's not a sales website. These are information content. I don't talk about any companies. I'm not selling anything in particular. I'm talking about concepts. Terrific. Well, John, again, thank you so much for yeah. joining us today on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Great. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.